Hello, Screeders. As promised, here's a little recap and how everything kind of turned out after my game day episode yesterday. Uh, It's probably a little rambly. Uh, Hopefully, there's something in there from my process that might help you uh, prepare and run your own first sessions of campaigns. But I don't know. What I do know is there's also some spoilers about some adventure frameworks by Steve Gradzicki and a call-in about his own preparations from none other than Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. I am Jason Hobbs, and this is Random Screed. Alright, as always, first things first... We need characters to play, and we need players to play. When I first arrived, everyone was there. There was your preliminary shit-shooting, and of course, you know, gathering all the stuff, getting it out, preparing. I handed him the character sheets. We went over the character generation method, where in LFG, you have seven attributes, and you get... 115 to place where you want. I don't know what the official is, the official character generation method is, or how many numbers there are, like in the old AD&D DMG. This is method 12. No, I don't I don't know, but what I do is as I am not a huge fan of everyone having massive stats where people like that, I don't like that. I feel like all good heroes have flaws. So what I prefer is I have them roll six statistics or attribute rolls, and then they put the 15 where they want, and then the rest kind of just. And then the rest just kind of fall where they go in order, and then they overlap to go to the top of the line. And that gives you some strategy as a player, and also gives you probably some flawed statistics in some ways, so. That's my usual preferred method of some sort of forcing them to go in some sort of order. It all depends on where you put your free 15. And it's always interesting to see what people do do with that. So we ended up with a ranger with an animal owl companion, a uh, barbarian uh, of the Varnori, and lastly, uh, an Argosan mercenary fighter. We used the party bond table out of the Midlands and we found that they were the lone survivors of the Black Brand Mercenary Company that was defeated uh, by um, an enemy or another mercenary company known as the Wolf Crag Riders. So I determined on the spot that that happened a few months previously. We didn't have to go into a ton of detail. I did ask some questions to get the guys thinking, like, why is uh, this Varnori warrior in Port Brax, and why did he join up with the uh, Blackbrand Mercenary Company? Same thing to the half Nadisian ranger, and uh, the Argozin was obviously pretty simple in in that regard. We didn't even detail what happened in the battle or why those two mercenary companies 
uh, were fighting each other or who the other mercenaries in the Black Brand Mercenary Company were. All I did is say it's been a few months since the destruction of, of the Black Band Mercenary... Oh, man, I'm saying that name a lot. I hope I'm getting it right. After the destruction of their mercenary company and them being the lone survivors, they spent a little while in Port Brax and trying to get jobs and make money. Um, and then they have been holding on to the name as well. Their first job was dealing with uh, or helping uh, herbalist head over to Red Gulch, which is about 10, 15 miles out of town, day two days, day and a half-ish, out of Port Brax. Now, I didn't play any of this out. I just said that it all happened. You, uh, I don't know what her name was, Agatha or something, was actually killed by a strangling vine, and uh, a scorn raiding party was sighted, and a scouting group was on your tail, and you fled. And then I just set up a map. We like to use minis and different things, so... I set up kind of, they found a Stonehenge on a knoll, and I said, uh, you guys are coming from this direction, you think you have about a half hour before they reach you, what are you going to do? And I was really kind of open, I had no idea, like I said, I prefer situations for shenanigans, like I wanted them to be able to come up with ways to set up traps if they wanted to, or whatever it is they wanted to do, a la the scene in Conan the Destroyer where they're in like a Stonehenge maze kind of and uh, the the Juns or the Jotuns or whatever they're called in that movie uh, the Barbarian, not Destroyer, I don't know what I said but uh, so they set up a false path um, and I in a quarter mile, turn right onto Montague Street I was definitely open to them searching in and trying to figure out what the Stonehenge was all about but they didn't really do very much of that they really just stayed focused which was kind of for the whole session a theme maybe is staying focused on a particular thing and not really take the next right onto Montague Street being distracted or branching out so they concocted the plan of setting up a trip rope uh, with a falk with a fake path uh, path scorn are continue dim, on Montague Street for one mile dim-witted cannibalistic brutes that uh, use clubs or their fists or I even allow rudimentary spears from them um, and that's about it uh, so they massacred them it was a good fight uh, it was in the very beginning it pretty much like I said started out in media res they had a half an hour to do some things and then we got to it I randomly rolled the number of opponents it was right at six that was their secret number they didn't want to fight any more than that and they actually fared quite well I think it was the missile fire uh, they had them in a crossfire kind of hiding amongst the henges uh, and they were in the center the scorn were in the center but I mean they were still the berserker still used his berserker rage and uh, there were some moments where it looked like it could go either way which is kind of the way I like it to be personally not every fight has to be like that but most of them I like to add some tension so the dice rolls really feel like they have meaning and um it was dusk, and, you know, I set kind of a nice uh, lurid scene for them to be able to picture the details. And Like I say, it went well. They ended up not even engaging with this henge at all, uh, so I marked it on the map. Like I said, I have In a, a quarter mile, turn left onto South Main Street. A GM's hex crawling map that I'm using, so 
mark this knoll on there. Maybe we'll have some tidbits in the future. Uh, like I had mentioned, my plan was to use some uh, canned stuff. Turn left onto South Main Street. From the Adventure Frameworks, plus uh, maybe from the LFG Deluxe or the um, main book. And those are in kind of that low plains area. So we headed back to Port Brax. Random rolls went fine. And in Port Continue Brax, on South Main Street for three quarters of a mile. I wanted to give a little feel of what Port Brax was like, so they were kind of living very poorly, so it wasn't able for them to get a great rest from that. But they got some uh, other lost things back from their last excursion. We kind of they didn't really say anything about trying to deal with um, the death of the herbalist, their previous employer. So I'm going to note that down and see if we can't use that for something in the future. They did say that they were going to try to use their gather information skills to look for jobs. They weren't together, which I found interesting, which is fine. Uh, there were two in one group and one in the other group. And both of them were total failure roles. Now, I know a lot of game systems don't really allow for total failures with skill tests, but I mean, we're using the dice, in my opinion, to create collaborative stories. So when the dice give you an opportunity to come up with something that you can add to this story and build layers, why not? You don't have to, but it's kind of fun to. So I created, I used the port bracks and counter tables right in a in, quarter mile, turn right onto Chestnut Street, right in the Midlands book to determine that uh, a handful of pirates drunk on rum and uh, previous spoils had an encounter with uh, the fighter, Yorick, the Argosan fighter, played by my brother Monty, uh, which he stoically ignored all of their... Take the next ride onto Chestnut Street. Catcalls and ribbings about being the ones who lived kind of being branded as cowards from fleeing from the encounter or whatever. Two encounters now, really, this group has. But I don't really know if that will flow into future play or not, but I found it interesting thus far. Holy cow, I just realized I got my seat warmer on. Continue for half a mile. It's like 90 degrees in the shade out here. Anyway. <laughs> and then the other one was... Uh, the, the, the Vernori and the uh, half Nadisian uh, came upon two men lowering uh, a body into a sewer manhole. And I thought maybe they would just pass by. They didn't really ask questions like In 1, tell feet, sharp left onto Kishwaukee Street. who they are or anything like that. But one of my plans was to tie into. Um, one of the adventures Street. One of the adventures in the one of the adventure paths number two, I believe. And I don't know if I'm supposed to have Continue spoilers for three here, miles. but I'm really kind of going over my process for creating this, so spoilers it is. But here I'll put a pause in here. I'll put, you know, a little interlude from TJ Drennan.
Alright, so now we're going into players about adventure paths and our adventure frameworks in the Midlands book and in uh, the adventure frameworks number one, maybe. I don't remember which number. But one of um, a couple of them deal one is the Tower of Ball and the other is about an iron ore mine in a town called Cyridorn, which I couldn't pass up because it's almost an anagram of Sindanor. So, hey, I'm not, you know, missing that. But the interesting aspects of the Cyridorn one is it's basically a town being poisoned by a saboteur from one of the houses. And maybe I mentioned this in the, in the last episode. It seems like I've talked about it before. Uh, from one of the houses of Kaldarok. And their emblem is a cog. So I'm like, hey, well, what? And their main function is um, supplying ore for the Midlands. So they have spies and saboteurs when this, in their game of houses, keeping down like this. They don't want this other iron ore mine to be really popular because then it lessens their stranglehold on that particular resource. So they're, the adventure talks about them um, tr- you know sending the saboteur to poison the town to try and you know get a you know get rid of the mine basically. So but that could happen, you know we could actually have our player characters engage with this town before all of the saboteur stuff starts to happen. So it says in that adventure that the first thing is, that the the saboteur kills the herbalist in town. Okay, interesting. And what if this isn't the only effort that's being made by the house? What if one of my other things I did is that there was a river with a destroyed bridge? So it makes some sense that maybe the saboteur, or there's more than one saboteur, and they trashed the bridge to slow the influx of resources to Cyridorn plus the my the ore from being shipped back to Port Brax. Okay, interesting. Well, this would probably be a rumor. And so, and then hold that thought for a moment. Now there's this other town, Fornbury, that's being attacked by undead from the Tower of Baal. So when I placed them on my map, it made sense that if the bridge was out on a fairly large river, okay, what if one of the alternating routes was a ford or another bridge near Fornbury. So when the guys are on another adventure is basically a uh, weir rat with some dire rats in a place called Skegg's End. So that was the whole idea, I think, as I mentioned. Maybe I'm repeating myself, but it doesn't matter. It helps to probably uh, let you guys all know what the hell's going on and maybe reiterating a few things in order to emphasize those points. So they travel through Skegg's End and hear that there's like a problem with sickness. That's it. They keep on going, which is perfect because now they can come back later and actually try to deal with the issue perhaps. And that, But in Skegg's End, they find out that the bridge is out through a good gather info roll. So they take a side jaunt, a, a shortcut, up to uh, Fornberry. So now I can kind of delve them into that. And on the way, they um, see like a strange stone arch in uh, the hills. 
So already we've only had really one combat encounter. We've had some other encounters, but we've established the um, Red Gulch where Agatha the Herbalist died. We've established um, with the, oh yeah, to get back to the point, I guess, the two dudes that they came upon lowering a body into a sewer manhole cover. They interrupt that process. The dudes run away, the body falls in, and now there's other people down there. So now we don't know if it's a corpse or if it's an unconscious body. All I really said, it was a pale feminine arm. And they find a ring with a cog on it, a signet ring. None of them know what this means when they try to check around and find out. But now here they are asking around in Port Brax for a ring with a cog on it. So all this stuff, I think, will eventually come to head with one of the merchant houses, or at least their uh, minions and saboteurs. At least their minions and saboteurs in uh, the Port Brax area. So pretty cool stuff. And now they're in Formbury when we stop the session, and they've learned that the undead are occasionally attacking. So they've got another two or three days on to Cyridorn, which. All they'll know is that the herbalist is dead because they're sent taking resources there from the new herbalist who bought the shop. And so they'll get to know some people there maybe, and then maybe they'll be uh, have a large, larger investment in the characters there that are all being poisoned by the saboteur. I may show a little bit of madness going on, uh, but I'm not sure yet. I think we'll figure that out when we get there. But I'm really excited about all the other stuff that has kind of been established and where the map is at. And I thought we had a good time. I can't believe we played for as long as we did. And that's all the farther we got. But there was a lot of chit-chatting. And like a guy had to come and pick up a refrigerator while we were there. We all ate. A lot. We had a very, very good time. And um, I hope that this quick recap is beneficial to someone out there. I could have done it like I could have wrote it and told it to you like a story, but I don't know if that's really my bag. But, you know, call in, let me know, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if we ever get to another session of Low Plains Grifters, I'll tell you what happened. As far as that goes, stay alive. Back to your regularly scheduled random screeds coming up soon uh, concerning levels of play. And the poser, the P-O-S-R. Hey, Jason, the other Jason. Just listened to your game day episode. That's very cool. Really enjoyed listening to your thought process as you go through. I'm, in some ways, pretty similar. I definitely procrastinate. If I'm, now, like the Boot Hill game I ran for you, I'd run that a number of times. I almost consider that like a module. If it's a module I'm running, or if I'm running, I have a couple canned adventures, like for Barbarians Lemuria, if I'm showing that game off to people, I have a set scenario. Actually, I have two set scenarios I'll run to introduce that game to people. So I really don't have to do any prep if, and that's the case. Any prep I do, if I'm running a module I'm really familiar with or running, you know, like an intro scenario that I'm really familiar with is before the game, for me, the GM, I'll take a, I'll take a piece of paper and write down the important stats for the characters, for the NPCs they're going to reference and all that. 
in, in that because I don't use VTTs and I don't use all the electronic trackers or any of that. I just have a piece of paper in front of me with, you know, hit points and whatever and, and all that. So I, I just track that manually. So I'll make a cheat sheet ahead of time. But other than that, I don't really have to do much as far as prep goes. Now, if I'm running a regular campaign, the last like mini campaign I did for Barbarians Lemuria, we had a couple sessions where not all the players were able to make it. So I and I didn't want to do important things in the campaign because that was it was a mini campaign. So there were certain set things that were going to happen. It, you know, it wasn't exactly a railroad, but it kind of was. You know, they were going to a th- this place in the jungle and they knew where they were going. So. But I had to delay them from getting there because not everybody showed up that day. So I had to come up with almost like a little side quest to keep them busy for a session and let them have a fun session until we had everybody present. So in that case, I cases like that, I really procrastinate. And it's like an hour before the session. Uh, I'm looking around. What am I going to run? What am I going to do? And pulling my hair out. And yeah, so and, and then I'm trying to just pull it out my butt. And usually it comes out okay. Not always. But Often I just pull ideas from other things. I'm not one to worry about scenarios. I'll happily borrow scenarios from other systems and convert them on the fly because I don't worry about converting things mechanically. I'll note, I'll read through a scenario or take an idea and then just run it in that game. I don't worry about trying to, okay, this character has these stats in the system. How do I convert it? I kind of read the module I'm converting, just read it just for the ideas and then just build it so it makes sense in whatever system I'm running. So I don't try to do any kind of straight mechanic. I don't need conversion tables or anything like that is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I definitely am a, a fly by my pants, um, procrastinating GM when it comes to prepping things. There's no question about it. I, and you know, I should do better at that. So Thank you for your episode. I know this is a really long call. It's okay if you don't play it. I just want to let you know that I'm out here listening, and I appreciate you, man. Take care. I'll talk to you soon.